and welcome to ESPN's The Far Post podcast. Round three of the dub is done and there were some super spicy results, some very fun games, lots of good stuff to talk about. So obviously we're here to take you through all of it. Um, Before we begin this week's pod, we want to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands we're recording on today, the Wurundjeri people, and pay our respects to their elders past and present. For today's episode, you've got me, Marissa Lordanik, Angela Christian-Wilkes, and Anna Harrington. So lots to like, lots of fun things to talk about. We'll do quick recap of ye old results and then we'll crack into a couple of you love to see it's because we do love to see things but we had this round Newey and Perth drawing 2-2 Melbourne City continued on their merry way they scored a 3-0 win over the raw Sydney is sky blue Remy Simpson's banger helped uh, the Sydney FC team to a 1-0 win over Western Sydney victory got their first win of the season a 1-0 victory that sounds so silly every time I say it. A 1-0 victory over Wellington. And Western United made it three from three with a very late come-from-behind 2-1 win over the Reds. So lots to talk about, lots to lots of things to like. But what did we love to see? Harrow, would you like to kick us off with a you'll love to see it? Yeah, you love to see uh, Emma Robers score her first A-League women goal in style. Um, I don't think anyone saw this coming. She was clearly a, a fringe player at Melbourne Victory over the past couple of years, just used when they needed and turned hero against Adelaide. Um, ball, obviously, if you haven't seen it, like please make sure you go and have a look at it. The ball spills out to beyond the edge of the area and she just swings her left foot and just puts it through her. And it's this wonderful fizzing shot. Goalkeeper's got absolutely no chance. Um, match winner, 97th minute, I think it was. And uh, it was a fantastic comeback win for Western United, down 1-0 over in Adelaide, come back, two goals in extra time, 2-1. And when it's a player who's, you know, probably, I would say probably done it tough in terms of game time in the league in the past, for her to have her moment, I imagine would be pretty special. And I saw her on Instagram post that how wrapped she was, but someone needs to tell her to get a better celebration. So, well, just score another one, Emma, and you can figure it out. So, yeah, little moments like that, you love to see it. Practice makes perfect with not only those shots, but the celebrations. So we do love to see it and really good for her. You know, she had the ACL injury and it seemed to take a little while for her to come back. Obviously, COVID doesn't help in any way with that sort of stuff. So we absolutely love to see the very last minute winner. Angela, are you love to see it? Yes, um, just off jumping off that one. Uh, hack, you can see the goal in the extended highlights on YouTube but it's um a little bit tricky to find it's not everywhere so there you go if you want if you do want to go and see Emma Rober's goal that's where you where you've got to head to um what was I what was my you love to see my you love to see it was seeing Melina Ayers score um and get victory's first win of the season that that's the tweet that's it I love to see it um oh I have another one as well I have loved to see the A-League, the Kayla Morrison A-Leagues All Access documentary, um, especially the the bits where Jeff Hopkins swears quite gratuitously. Um, it's been very fun snipping that for my own personal entertainment. Um, yeah, so to you love to see it. It's both victory related. 
I have also loved you just dropping little clips of Jeff swearing in the group chat. That has um, tickled me immensely. It's been very good fun. Just like unprompted and you're like, what is this? So she laid some audio over the top of it. No, it's just a swearing clip. And there's another one. No content. You're a busy woman. It was perfect. I'm very busy. (laughs) I loved every minute of it. We do love to see it. Just a quick you love to see it from me. We've been accused of being too Victorian on this pod. I reject those claims wholeheartedly. Um, so here's a Sydney FC, you love to see it. So we cannot possibly be accused of being too Victorian. But Remy Seamson's goal to win the Sydney Derby, phew, that is my official technical analysis. Phew, it was so, so good. Jordan Bloomer in the Western Sydney goal was reaching. She was diving, but she was just not getting it. And it was huge for Samson. You could see how much it meant to her. She was out there kissing the badge, giving it big. It meant a lot to her and obviously meant a lot to the club because it was a, a spicy Sydney derby, as they usually are. But that goal, perfection. Absolutely loved to see it. Sorry, there's no such thing as too Victorian like settle down this pod on a regular basis is 75% Victorian if you include Angela being an adopted Victorian like yeah there's not two Victorian they're three Victorian (laughs) thank you (laughs) and that's this week's pod title too Victorian Victorian, too furious oh no we really are the silliest two Victorian three furious (laughs) Mm mm-hmm Oh, that was it just gets um, sillier. <laughs> Sam is coming back very soon. Um, so to provide some resemblance of balance, I guess. But also we don't care. So <laughs> like we care about Sam coming back, to be clear. It's the balance <laughs> that we don't care about. Angela, it's not it's nice to say that Sam brings balance because she can talk enough for three of us. That's a, a bit much. <laughs> the- <laughs> I was going to say that we're 75% Victorian, but Sam makes up 75% worth of Sydney on her own. Oh, no. Anyway. We should snip this up, otherwise Sam won't see it. (laughs) Carry on. On to the pod, guys. Grow up. All right. Let's move. Sorry. I can't stop now. Let's move on to actual dub chat because that's what the people are paying us to talk about. We're going to get into some Rondo questions because just quietly, I really like doing the Rondo questions and we have a good time trying to come up with questions before we hit record on this. So let us begin with Western United's win over Adelaide. We previewed it in our last pod quite heavily because we earmarked it as top of the table clash. We're about to find out you know, what these two teams are made of against team, another side that's doing just as well. So the question I pose to both of you, Western United, too legit to quit? Too legit to quit, absolutely. That's incredibly gutsy win, as I said in there, you love to see it, going over to Adelaide, going a goal down and finding a way to win it in extra time. And, yeah, they were both bangers. The Sydney Cummings goal has probably been overshadowed, fair enough, by the Emma Robers winner, but that was a great goal too. Yeah, absolutely. They three wins from three. You can't probably, I mean, traveling over to Wellington's not easy and they handled that really well and put a big score on, but they beat victory round one and they've beaten Adelaide, who we all liked as a potential, you know, uh, contender this year in round three. Yeah, absolutely. You, you can only beat who's in front of you and they've beaten a couple of very, very good teams. Unbeaten after the first three, they get the bye this week, so they get to refresh. 
I reckon surely even if you ask the most optimistic people at Western United, they wouldn't have picked themselves to have nine points in the first three games. I reckon they'd have been probably pretty happy with maybe four or six. Like, it's, it's an exceptional effort from a new team. And it'll be interesting to see, as we talked about last week, how they go once uh, Jess McDonald and then at a later date, Chloe Legazzo goes. Although Legazzo is obviously not having a big impact yet as she builds her minutes. It's going to be interesting, but, you know, they're ticking all the boxes and that's some crucial points early in terms of the finals race. Like you can afford to drop one here or there when you have a have a really good start and that's exactly what they've done. So, yeah, I mean, until they start losing, you, you can't say anything, but are they are they legit? They're, you know, it might get more difficult when they have more trips, but, yeah, they've, they've done brilliantly well. Yeah, I wonder if it's like a real no thoughts, just vibes kind of, approach from them because like yeah first game out they beat the reigning champions like that's wild in and of itself um and yeah there's they've come up against good good teams yeah as we said in Adelaide so I don't know I think maybe just the that element of surprise I'm not sure if that's affected their opposition and how they've approached it or not really knowing what they're dealing with but like obviously this team has they're new and there are like um, MPL players stepping up, but there's a lot of quality and um, Sydney Cummings especially I've been so impressed by, but Anna's pumped up Hannah Keane, who's doing fantastic. And yeah, I don't know. It's just that. Um, yeah. They're, they are, is it, they are not too legit to quit? They are too legit. No. No, they are too legit to quit. And the thing that's helped as well too is legit. they've been they've been in a good spot injuries wise to start the season. Um, and hopefully that stays that way. You know, it can you know derail you a little bit or give you a few speed bumps if you do get some injuries. So I think they'll be pretty wrapped to have the buy now after what I imagine would be pretty strenuous the trip well back to back trips and um, yeah, obviously some really hard games. They'll get players like I think Withers back after the break as well. Um, Silver Morris is still out for a, a little bit, I think, but. Yeah, they put themselves in really good position. Um, yeah, and as I said before, yeah, you, you've got to put them up in that category for now at least. Time will tell. It's a long season. It's certainly not a sprint, and it's certainly less of a sprint than previous seasons, but they've done everything right so far. It's been very impressive because when I wrote about um, the dub for ESPN.com.au, you can still read that preview up there, I kind of said of the last teams to enter the competition, we had the Invincible Melbourne City and the uh, slapped together very quickly Wellington Phoenix. So two very extreme circumstances. You assumed that Western Sydney would fall somewhere in the middle, but at I keep calling them Western Sydney, far out. Western United would fall somewhere in the middle of those two extremes. But the way they're going, they're leaning much more heavily towards the Melbourne City side, which is awesome for them. And I can only imagine that they'll be just buoyed by the way they're going about things, absolutely full of confidence. And I think the really important thing about getting wins, um, particularly over Victory and Adelaide, is that if you're beating teams that were playing finals last season, who do you have to be afraid of? Absolutely no one, because you're obviously at some sort of level that allows you to be competing with the best of the best in this comp. So really, really positive signs for Western United. Quickly. And I think it's interesting in the sense like at the heart of this team, you've got the two Taranto sisters, you have Emma Rovers as well. So maybe that aspect of players having something to prove to be like, yes, I am at the level and I have been at the level to be getting consistent minutes. Like that could potentially be coming through as well. Like um, 
and the same thing with the MPL players that have stepped in and have been given this opportunity. Um, it's kind of been like a short, like a circuit breaker in some ways for those players. So yeah, it's that's that's been really really fantastic to see as well. Anyway, sorry, Marissa, that was just off topic, but no, off. definitely on topic. Definitely on topic. Um, just quickly, friend of the pod Dale messaged me the other day. He said, I'm listening back to your last episode and Harrow saying Adelaide aren't killing games yet. Oh, how right she was. I know you love talking mm. about being right. So would you like to talk a little bit about, I suppose, this game from Adelaide's perspective and the fact that they couldn't hold on to the win? To be fair, that's Chelsea Dorber's perspective that I've actually uh, pulled out. Um, well, that's exactly it. You'd be devastated, right? Like, to not only... You know, sometimes you drop a late equaliser, but to go on and drop a second goal, like time was up. We were into the 97th minute and obviously there would have been a bit more time added because of the other goal and that sort of thing. But you've got to be defending better than that. You've got to, yeah, I know I know. I said there were two bangers, but you can't be giving up those sorts of chances. They would have been devastated in the Adelaide rooms after it. Sometimes that's what you need, a reset, readjustment. Uh, that one will sting, that one will hurt, um, but I imagine though they're a really professional group in at Adelaide and they've got some really good characters there and you'd think that's a sort of loss that'll sting, that'll burn a bit and then uh, it motivates you to get better. Like sometimes you give up those cheap chances late at the end of games. I know Natalie Lawrence talked about a couple of set pieces the Knicks gave up late against victory. Sometimes you're able to save them or parry them away or someone misses a shot and sometimes teams make you pay. So yeah, I think they'll learn from it. I don't think there's heaps to be concerned about there. It'll just sting. Absolutely, it will. But let's move on. Another question. New Rondo. Madison Haley, Sam was bigging her up in our preview pod saying that perfect Remy Seamson replacement had been banging them in at college level from memory, was really, really excited to see her. And I think in what we have seen of her, she's absolutely justified that hype. The thing that none of us really saw coming was the return of Remy Seamson. So now Ante Juric has a very good Madison Haley on his hands and a very good Remy Seamson on his hands. But Haley seems to be the preferred starter. Remy Seamson is coming off the bench. So the question is, how do you fit both of these two very good strikers into the Sydney lineup? Maybe you don't. Um, no, it's um, it's going to be interesting because. Uh, well, Haley as well can play as a winger. Like you can play her out wide if you really want. Um, I think it's good. Competitive balance is good. Seamson's a late inclusion into that Sydney FC squad after coming over from Sweden. She was never going to jump straight back into that team. They'll have injuries pop up. There'll be games where they want to change formation around. There'll be games where they need to rest a Princess Sabini or a Courtney Vine or even a Haley. No, I think it's a good thing. It's good competitive balance. There might be games where they work really well together. Um but yeah, it's I, I I like it to be honest. You you know at the moment Seamson's the one who's got to come on and earn it off the bench, and she did just that with that great winner. I don't think the Wanderers' defence and especially their goalkeeper will want to look back on that. Some pretty uh bad positioning and pressure and all the things you shouldn't be doing, especially when you have a player advantage. But Seamson tried her luck. She put the keeper off her line and just went, you know what, I'm going to go for it. Um, and she she's the she's the derby here at the end of the day. But yeah. It, I think there's probably going to be games they can play together, but in the meantime, it's no harm. If there's a competitive balance, sometimes it's a, sometimes it's a good thing if you have good players on the bench rather than trying to squeeze in all your talent at the expense of balance. So if Seamson keeps pushing off the bench, she'll get an opportunity to start. You'd imagine it'll be someone else who makes way, but it may well force other players to play really well in the meantime. So 
I wouldn't be too concerned. I doubt I doubt Ante is either. I agree. Um, and also, yeah, I guess it's the longer season as well. Um, having, you know, Vine and Ibeni, who are known quantities, and Simpson as well. Um, and then bringing in another player like Haley into the mix, like that's surely on a logistics level, a good thing in terms of managing minutes and making sure that you're able to keep that consistency up. So yeah, I don't know. I'm keen to see them play together on the field at the same time, to be honest. Um, that could be quite exciting as well. Cause I guess as well, last season, we did see a lot of Ibini, Vine, Simpson, um, and they were fantastic together but new combinations are always exciting. So yeah, I don't know. It's yeah, good, good conundrum to have. For, for I like your point about, like, I agree part of me does want to see them together, but then I like Caro's point about you don't have to squeeze all your available talent into the starting lineup, especially if it ends up being to the detriment of the team. So my brain's like the front three for Sydney has worked for Yonks, a number nine, and then you've got the beanie on one flank and Vine on the other. Why would you muck with that? It has been perfection for at least, what, two, three seasons now, especially, you know, the ones where they've made the grand final and finished top of the table. Um, my interest is, um, you know, we saw it with the Matildas. Do you go for a kind of two up front, Haley and Seamson, obviously Vine and Abini on the wings. Could that work? But then you obviously lose a little bit from the midfield and Sydney have so many good midfielders as well. So it just seems like, uh, like you said, Angela, uh, an ante problem and a good problem to have. I'm sure he's writing his notes, watching his vision, and he'll be having a lot of fun with that problem as a coach. But let's move on. We've, we've spoken about a couple of Matildas in that Sydney lineup. So let's talk a little bit about Matildas. We are only into round three of the dub season. Is it too early to start calling for Matilda's bolters or have some people put their name up in lights here? Never too early to start talking about Matilda's bolters, Marissa. It's what we do. Um, it's a season that's it's very much like the A-League men. It's going to be the very start of it, at least, is, or actually the whole season in the dub's case, is going to be defined by this upcoming World Cup and players putting their name up in lights and showing what they can do. Um, the coaches, anyway, don't seem to think it's too early. I uh, had two different coaches unprompted. Well, I got they got they I asked them about the player, but unprompted, they said, this player should be in Matilda's contention. Um, so one of them, Jeff Hopkins, said Beatty Goad uh, should be a late shout for the Matildas. Um, when I asked about how she'd played, she was excellent against Wellington for what it's worth. He said that she'd been Victory's most consistent player, their best player. Um, and we go, all know what she can do as a left, left winger she's a left footer she can go play left fullback left wing back if you need she's creative she's smart and she's in that sort of age bracket that actually the Matildas probably need some depth in mid-20s and she's been brilliant so there's one um the other is Dario Vidasic said that he would actually be upset if Daniela Galich doesn't get a call up for the Matildas soon he said she's um She's not too young. She's She can impress if she's given the opportunity. She's been really impressive in the start to the season. Um, we know what she was doing with sort of the, the young Matildas group. Um, and she, she obviously killed her, but she's been so impressive that she's that tall um, playmaker, midfielder, gets in good positions, fires off a few shots, probably should have had a goal. If Hensley Handcuff didn't make a couple of good saves or if she hit a couple of chances a bit better, she would have scored against Brisbane the other day. But just so many lovely little flashes. And she's only 16. She's very tall. 
she might just be the tallest kid in Melbourne. Um, watching her play alongside some of um, her Melbourne City teammates. Um, yeah, she she was really impressive. So both of those players putting their hands up early. Galich in particular has got a long way to go, obviously, because she's so young and raw. And yeah, you wonder if she can do a Holly McNamara sort of bolter effort as a as a team sensation. Either way, it's exciting. I'm sure there'll be more players that put their hand up, but they're two off the bat that our coaches have already said, got to be looking at, got to be looking at. So, yeah, of course it's not it's not too early for Bolter Chat. We love Bolter Chat. We absolutely- and also I feel like um, Dario has very much picked up right where Rado left off in terms of pumping up his players and talking about, no, they should absolutely be in national team contention. I don't know what you're talking about. It bamboozles me that they're not. So love that that just runs in the Vitasich genes, apparently. His, his love of possession. Um, mm. I know our friends over at TNSA were talking about it as well. Dario saying that without possession, I suffer. Um, and how, you know, he loves his team to have time on the ball. And when you watch Melbourne City play, they're really good to watch. They love to dominate possession. They move the ball really well. I think it was their third goal that Ekic scored on the weekend was really good, really nice build up. And you could be like, considering how hot it was and how it wasn't as hot as Sunday, obviously, but you could be forgiven for taking things a bit easy, but they just created so many chances and they moved the ball so well. And obviously players like Briley Henry and Cote Rojas benefited from that as well. But yeah, they look good. They still got a, they still got a bit to go as well in terms of getting some personnel back. Hannah Wilkinson's not back yet. Um, Emma Checker and Letitia McKenna were only coming off the bench after injury setbacks and then come the very, very pointy end of the season you'd think they'll get Holly McNamara back as well so they're just going to build and very impressive um, these past couple of games, the way they've performed considering the upheaval with Rado going to coach the men's team and Dario stepping up from assistant, they've handled it with aplomb for such a young group and they seem very settled I have thoughts on that move but We won't be getting into them there. You spoke about the heat, which is a perfect segue to talk about our next question. Uh, It was a hot one in Melbourne and Victory and the Knicks were full and feeling, full and, I'm doing the Kiwi accent again unintentionally. They were feeling the full extent of the heat with a 4pm kickoff in Melbourne from memory. Um, It was hot. We talked about it last week. Gareth McPherson was complaining about the heat, about needing to take drinks breaks every 15 minutes and how maybe that's an indicator that it's too hot to be playing professional sport. Should we be playing games in the middle of the summer heat when it is boiling hot? No. (laughs) I don't know. Uh, Ginger writes. Sorry. (laughs) We we were at Epping and and Beatty Goad was playing and I was empathizing with her because I was sitting in this in the shade the whole time and I still got a, a deepening of the Taver tan. So the Tevas or Tavers, I I can never settle. Anyway, yeah, it's it's a no-brainer. I just don't get it. And also like I understand that there's broadcast broadcasting limitations, but surely the move to putting things on 10 play has removed barriers further in terms of meeting you know, pop, popping things in the right slot. I'm not too sure what the difference is between going on free-to-air TV versus just through a streaming service. Um, but I know that that's kind of been pulled out in the past as, like, this is why the games are when they're on. Um, but, yeah, in terms of at the moment the dub zone, 
that's working with the three simultaneous kickoffs. Sure, cool. But playing games in the heat, number one, it's a well-being thing, right? It's it's about player safety and um, their ability to do their job in a safe environment. Um, and number two, it, it affects the product that like that's the other thing, even if you're thinking with your your business noggin rather than your what's the what's the opposite of a business noggin? Empathetic noggin. I don't know, then like it these games are not as good if they're having to like fight against huge temperatures and get like players being interrupted every so often to have drink breaks as well. Yeah, it's just it's no good. Um yeah. Tom. <laughs> And Tom, friend of the pod, Tom had an interesting kind of description of the game. She was talking about like treacle running off a spoon. Like it was like the epping game this is in terms of like it was mesmerizing, but like it was very slow and sluggish in a lot of places. And it got real scrappy near the end as well, um, which and the players were clearly exhausted, which affects, you know, decision making and yeah, just how they play out on physically. So, yeah, it's it, I don't I don't get it. I mean, we've been having how long have we been talking about this? There's plenty of stories, I reckon, from the old AFP file from a few years ago about these kickoffs and wet bulb um and all these sorts of things. But um anyway, the other thing is like Alyssa Wynnum had to come off um because she was struggling with the heat. I know she had the head knock earlier, but Natalie Lawrence said it was the heat, not concussion. Um, and she had to go and cool herself down in the rooms. Two weeks ago, Shay Connors came off with heat exhaustion. So it's not good. You don't want to see that. You don't want to see players prone on the turf and wondering what's wrong with them and seeing them need assistance to come off. Um, and you made the great point there, Angela, about quality. That's what Jeff Hopkins said. The the victory coach was, you know, it's the main factor in the game. For, I found it a real slog personally. Um, and he said, if we want to have better quality games, maybe it's something to think about. We maybe need to push things back a little bit, especially if we're at standalone venues as well. I don't see why we can't do that. Um, and I asked the PFA about this as well. Um, and they said basically the feedback from the players was the balance in terms of commercial fan and player considerations hadn't been met or not been struck in recent weekends with heat negatively impacting both the quality of the match and the health and safety of players. Um, so the PFA was planning to keep working with the APL and the clubs to address those concerns. Um, so clearly it's something that's come up. I've seen Brisbane's home game in a couple of weeks. I think it's the 17th is the weekend of the 17th, 18th has been pushed back a couple of hours from uh, 3 PM uh, daylight savings time to 5 PM daylight savings time. So that'd be 4 PM up in Brisbane. So that's a, a positive move. And that's the sort of thing we want to see because especially when you've got things like, I, I wouldn't be surprised if you see more games just moved anyway because as we get deeper into summer and to be fair, it was a real anomaly that heat on the weekend compared to what we've seen in Melbourne. But yeah, you'd hope that more will get pushed back, whether it's to a 5 p.m. start so the game finishes in cooler conditions, that'd be ideal. But yeah, someone as to quote what a coach would say, someone much smarter than me will make those decisions and yeah, I don't envy them having to work all the fixtures around, but at the end of the day, you're going to get a better product, you can have happier and healthier players, happier and healthier coaches. Um, and as much as we want to see, Gareth McPherson made the good point the other day at Casey Fields that, you know, you want to have families attend, love the idea of the time slot to get people in, but you're not going to attend if the product is lowered because you're stopping every 15, 20 minutes for drink breaks or it's too hot and for me personally, I can't imagine too many people would want to bring their kids to to cook in the stands at 3 p.m. on a Saturday anyway. So, 
something for them to think about. And I'm sure they're considering it all and they've, they're clearly taking it into consideration in terms of player health and safety and all those sorts of things, which are the most important things and the quality of games. But yeah, you'd like to see it addressed pretty quickly, hey? Also, just on the thing around dub zone, like what, again, I don't know all the details, but surely they would just move all the games and then you can still have that that great product that they're, like, that they've been putting out there. And you have players not playing in 3 p.m. heat. I just, uh, I don't know. It's, I, I I completely understand that it's really hard to juggle all of these things, but the fact that it's just this like kind of repetitive conversation is a bit frustrating. I think, yeah, had this conversation before. I think I've seen this <laughs> Thank you, Taylor. But no, that, and Sorry, I don't want to reiterate what you guys have said, but it really, that's the frustrating thing for me, that this isn't a new logistical problem. This competition has been played in summer for 15 seasons now. This is the 15th season we're talking about heat being a factor on kickoff times, and yet it doesn't seem like we've made any inroads or anything to kind of address it beyond mid-season fixture changes and increased drinks breaks. So that's the frustrating thing for me, that we've seemingly learnt nothing to address the fact that it gets pretty hot in Australia in summer, particularly in the afternoon. So those are my frustrations. But let's move on to a couple of other topics. Uh, We talked about Casey Fields. We talked about how hot it was. We talked about City. We talked about Brisbane. So let's talk a little bit more about Brisbane. They lost on the weekend 3-0 to a a scintillating Melbourne City side, as we've just discussed. The good news for Brisbane is there seems to be a lot of little bright spots among that team. Big fan of Hensley Handcuff. She is huge. She is enormous, and I love her. Um, But probably, arguably, the best news for Brisbane is that Katrina Gorey is easing back into training. She had that little break between her Sweden season and getting into dub things. So how much of a difference is Katrina Gorey going to make to this Brisbane side is the question. A huge difference. Like just the in terms of avoiding quality, I mean, just, yeah, you can't really fill that gap, what Katrina Gorey provides to that Brisbane team. And it makes players, she makes players like um, Aisha Nori in particular look better because she's got less work to do. There's less pressure. She's able to express herself a bit more. They can work together. You can't underestimate just how good and important Katrina Gorey is. She brings forwards into the game. She creates. She wants the ball. She wants to possess the ball. And that that was also stark watching City up against Brisbane. We talked about how much City wanted the ball in possession. They'd be playing out from the back. There'd be, you know, little dinks and balls in midfield and just really exciting to watch. Or really, like, considering the heat especially, just so good to watch. And Brisbane, it felt like it was a lot more when Handcuff got it, hoofing it or, you know, going long or keeping it simple. And, yeah, it it makes it – yeah, you – you can't deny the the quality that someone like a Katrina Gorey brings and also leadership, just a steady presence. Um, she's not afraid to go in for her tackles and set a bit of a standard there. She can score goals from anywhere. She can put that team on her back a bit and just drive forward. Like, yeah, she's a top player. They, they miss her a lot and they've, you know, they've been okay results wise. Like I think city was the first really, really big test they've had in terms of coming up against a team who now I think having watched them will be right up there in the in the top four this season. Um, yeah, so 
it's going to be interesting. And I think a Holly Palmer will benefit as well if they play her and Nori with with Gori. It's going to be a a pretty fun midfield. Angela's just giggling. I think at the rhyme. Um, very predictable. Um, but yeah, I, she's yeah. You, you can't even measure her impact on that team. She'll make them much better. Yeah, I'm. It's Holly and Nori and Gori. It's funny. <laughs> That's that's it. Um, yeah, I don't have much to add there. I think, yeah, C- City were definitely the, the first proper challenge for them and they do, they've been quite reliant on um, building play from the wings. But I think when you do come across like a more, a stronger defensive side, I have to say I've been very impressed by Julia um, Grosso for City. Um, she's doing a lot and she runs a lot. It's kind of exhausting um but yeah anyway in terms of like yeah Brisbane just having more options and more uh I guess paths to goal that will come from a player like Gori and yeah being able to kind of hold on to possession and and build from there rather than going long and hoping that Crummer gets there whatever so yeah I guess as well they also had Marielle Hecker out this week as well and she's quite an energetic presence that can create and um just agitate as well so yeah Gory looking forward to seeing Gory back Gory good we all knew that though um yeah gonna be just also just the excitement of getting to watch Katrina Gory in our own backyard always a delight um my Slightly delayed prediction is that I think even having missed a month, she can probably still win the Julie Dolan if she plays to the level we know she can. That is my prediction. Final question for the Rondo. Uh, Newcastle, 2-2 draw. They're very fun, but can they win? Can they win consistently? Can they actually make this fun worth something on the table, Angela? I think they just have to take the approach victory took last year and score more goals than they concede. Um, pretty much, they've I've been, yeah, really impressed with. Uh, I guess we've talked about the Americans on the pod so far this season, and and Griffiths this weekend continued to show up and, um, yet yeah, create. And they had, for the most part, I think they had um, the lion's share in this in this game against. Perth. It was just Perth are weird. I Newcastle, I'm like, good for you. Perth, I'm like, what is happening? I don't really understand why they've had this slow start. Um, but yeah, Newcastle, I think in now that I think about it though, I've just remembered that Western United are really good and City are really good and Adelaide are really good. So I don't know. I think they they'll be uh in and around it more so than like, like previous seasons. Like this is gonna sound really not very nice, but I'm actually looking forward to seeing them play <laughs> this season going off these early rounds. Whereas in previous seasons, it was a little bit, you know, much much of a sameness um, and it could get a little bit boring watching Newcastle. But yeah, and Agents of Chaos, we love that as well. So, I mean, I don't think they'll be making finals, but I think that they'll be um, definitely a team that you don't want to underestimate if you are one of those better sides. Um, so, yeah. And if they can play attacking football, that's what you want. They can bring some kids through at some point too. Like you need that sort of spark and energy. And I think that's what we're waiting to see from Western Sydney as well. 
Well, they've they've struggled the first couple of games, but um, but we know what Amy Harrison can do. But like we haven't seen a heap in terms of young players stepping up. Like Sheridan Gallagher was on the bench on the weekend. Like I want to see a bit of that. I want to see some energy. I want some excitement. Um, hopefully, we can see that at some point. But yeah. Newcastle is a classic. They get a couple of good Americans in who light up the league and all of a sudden they're fun again. So, yeah, hopefully they can maintain the rage and obviously winning is the next thing. And Also, Perth need to start picking up some points. Um, They've been entertaining. They've been in games, but they need to start winning because this stretch isn't going to get any easier. They They have victory coming to them this weekend. I'll be interested to see how that goes just because victory are off the mark. Jeff Hopkins said you could sort of feel the pressure and the tension in that change room before the game where they just had to get three points. Didn't care what the performance looked like. This time they just needed three points. They got three points in that scrappy game we talked about. Albeit they have plenty of chances. Brown Edwards made some good saves. They probably spurned a couple as well. They, they've got the monkey off their back. So it's going to be interesting to see how Perth go toe-to-toe with them this time around. The The 2-2 draw really for both the Jets and the Glory felt very emblematic of where they are. And I say this, we're three rounds in. So I still know that we are way too early to be making any sort of definitive calls or whatever. But because of that game and because of that result, I still have no idea which direction either of these team seasons are heading. You kind of get glimpses or an idea of what you hope to see from them, but we still really have no idea with either of these sides. So um, it's going to be very fun and interesting to see how their seasons pan out. Let's move on to a quick boot. It's unacceptable. Um, Angela was showing us a lady saying unacceptable in an interesting way, so it's stuck in my head from earlier today. But, yeah, um, today's boot, the boffins in Georgie Worth's DMs who are sad little people um, who think it's appropriate to send abuse to an athlete. Apps, I just, it's mind-boggling that this happens and really bamboozling, and I'm really glad she called it out, but, you know, ideal world, she doesn't have to call it out because she's not copying absolute garbage in her DMs. So really disappointing. And a, a big feeling that you get. I mean, my first reaction when I saw it was as somebody been making a bet on the game or on the score or something like that. And they've had a loss and they've like, because we've seen it, you know, in AFL, we've seen it in men's football. You wonder if there's an element of that. And it, I think that makes it acceptable. Like it makes it even worse. Like it just shows how, how bad, you know, this sort of thing can be in our society, but yeah, just, just disgusting. And even if you did lose on the punt, don't take it out on the players. My God. And don't be so awful. Like real cretin sort of behavior and the same Marissa I'm glad Georgie called it out because especially if you're creating anonymous accounts on Instagram to abuse a player how cowardly is that like just grim grim stuff and yeah hopefully Georgie's doing okay I know she's got the support of the PFA and her fellow players and I'm sure the club will be supporting her as well but you shouldn't have to deal with that so yeah I agree Marissa a big old boot was really touched as well, obviously has the support of the union, as you would expect, but even like across code, Sarah Perkins, who's an AFLW player and has copped a fair amount of crap in her time as well, was straight away like, this is unacceptable. Hope you're doing okay. Um, and also just really minor thing, the gendered nature of the, uh, of the abuse really grinds my gears because people 
thought that she was posting abuse that was directed towards Matt Ryan after his uh, error for one of the Argentina goals in the Men's World Cup game. And it was like, no, 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 I don't think Matt Ryan's ever been told to go back to the kitchen and raise children. Um, And I doubt he will ever be told to do that. So um, abuse is bad, but just don't, abuse is bad. Don't do it. Big boots. Um, And a final. How good, Marissa? It's a huge how good. It's enormous, gargantuan, massive, so big. You wouldn't believe how huge it is. Um, If you follow me on Twitter, you already know what I'm going to talk about. It was Harry Souter's uh, thanks for the support post on Instagram. Our man Big Has um, has worked his way into the hearts of the nation despite being in Australia only twice before. Um, And I can't remember who pointed it out on Twitter, but um, basically the fact that his thanks for all your support after the Socceroos World Cup exit, his post made specific mentions not only of proper funding for the grassroots level, which I thought was phenomenal, he made the point of, you know, we need to capitalise on this opportunity with the Women's World Cup coming to Australia in 2023 to make sure the next generation of Australian footballers have the best possible pathways. And I just... We love a man who unprompted supports the women's game. Like the bar is so low, but our big Harry is stepping right over it. So we absolutely love to see big Harry, big Harry Suter, Femo, as Angela put it on her Instagram story, which made me giggle very much a lot. But yeah, just good stuff. Good man. King of my heart. King of Al-Wakra. And a sensational subway order. I, I've just been sitting here being like chicken, ham, bit of onions. The cheese and onion crisps. Sprinkles over the top, ketchup, three cookies and Pepsi Max. I've just been doing that all the time. And I don't, okay, I'm how getting it, you, by the way. How have you remembered that? How have you memorized that? Uh, someone who will not be named came to me with a meme suggestion. So I've been getting quite close to that. And I'm just, it genuinely is now just living in my head rent-free. Anyway, um, stay tuned. I will be getting the Harry Sutar Subway order sometime soon and turning that into content. Probably it's better that you. I turn it into content rather than like do it just on a date. It. So, <laughs> Or what can I love dos? True. Subway date that you film. The you know, move over Amelia. What's her face? Chicken chop date. No, no. Suta subway date. We're all in. We're all in. Oh my goodness. We'll keep you updated, gang. Yeah. <laughs> what what a fun way to finish what has been a chaotic pod. But we hope you have enjoyed it as much as we have enjoyed making it for you. Remember, we are always on ESPN.com.au and the ESPN app. You can find us on Spotify, Apple, Google all of the usual pod spots. If you like what we do, you can leave a review and subscribe so all of our episodes pop up straight in your feed. If you want to have a little chat to us about Big Harry Suter, about Matilda's Bolters, about anything, we are at the Far Post Pod on all social media. But until next week, see you.